Chapter Seventeen of Peggy Raymond's Vacation by Harriet Lummis Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen, A Plain Talk. There was trouble in the poultry yard. Whether overindulgence in a grasshopper diet was accountable, or the responsibility was to be laid at the door of early morning rambles through damp grass, Peggy was not sure but the condition of the three chickens still under the charge of the yellow hen was plainly alarming the wretched little creatures hardly had strength to peep still less to follow their energetic mother on the excursions she showed no intention of relinquishing out of regard to the health of her family peggy found it necessary again to confine her to the small coop she had occupied previously and the yellow hen indicated her dissatisfaction with the cramped quarters while she thrust her long neck through the slats and scolded clamorously her family of three stood about in varying attitudes of dejection indifferent to the cornmeal mush peggy spread lavishly before them the neighborhood authorities whom peggy naturally consulted pronounced the chickens suffering from pip and prescribed weird remedies jerry morton was appealed to along with the rest and surprised peggy by professing complete ignorance of the subject i've heard my grandmother talk about the pip but i don't know what it's like i don't know nothing about chickens anyway that's queer remarked peggy musingly when you know so much about birds oh birds the boy's face lighted up birds is different they've got their own way of doing things and one kind ain't any more like another than folks is you ought to see a pair of old birds teaching a young one to fly if he hasn't got spunk enough to get out of the nest himself they'll push him over and then they'll fly around him and keep on talking and talking and saying how easy it is and show him how and then when he tries they praise him up as if he was a perfect wonder and he begins to think he's pretty smart himself jerry chuckled as if recalling such a scene as he was so vividly describing and peggy watched him thoughtfully but without speaking she had learned long before that jerry was most likely to discuss the subjects nearest his heart when stimulated by silent attention some people talk as if folks was the only things with sense jerry continued but seems to me they've got about the least why you can't lose a bird or a bee and the orneriest little spider knows enough to play dead if you poke him inside he's pretty near scared to death but he's got too much sense to cut and run the way a man would he curls up his legs and makes himself look withered up so you'll say oh shucks he's dead already what's the use of killing him over again peggy's smile proved her to be paying close attention and jerry went on now most folks think one bird's as good as another why there's thieves and robbers among birds same as men a blue jay's one of the worst and my how the other birds hate him once i saw a whole crowd of em chasing a jay it was a regular bird mob all kinds in it thrushes and catbirds and robins and long sparrows they were all small birds long side of the jay but together they were too much for him i can tell you and he dodged and ducked around till he see twasn't no use and then he dropped what he stole and they let him go and what had he stolen asked peggy a little bird just hatched out of some nest you needn't tell me that birds don't have a language the father and mother they hollered to some of their neighbors that a jay was round kidnapping and the chase started and every bird they met they'd say come on boys let's make it hot for this old robber and they did too jerry caught himself up and cast a suspicious glance at peggy's attentive face he had early learned to keep to himself the dialogues he imagined as taking place between his friends of field and forest as any attempts at confidence on his part had invariably called out derision or reproof 
he was glad to assure himself that peggy was listening respectfully though he realized that her silence had lured him on to say much more than he had intended jerry remarked peggy breaking the brief pause that had fallen between them did you ever hear of audubon what's that do you mean the language for everybody to learn so that japs and dagos and us folks can talk together same as if we'd been raised alongside each other oh no that's volapook you're talking about jerry audubon was a man oh apparently jerry had lost interest and the reason i wondered if you knew about him is that sometimes you remind me of him oh and the change in jerry's inflection showed the change in his mental attitude yes he loved birds just as you do dick had to write a composition about audubon last spring and i helped him in reading up for it that's how i happen to know so much about him with this preface peggy began the life of the great ornithologist would need to be told very unsympathetically not to be a dramatic and appealing recital the story of the enthusiast who found no toil irksome which furthered his research however unreliable he might prove in the humdrum occupation of earning a livelihood was calculated to impress the boy who realized that his matter-of-fact neighbors had long before catalogued him as a thriftless ne'er-do-well the great man's hardships his persistence and his prosperous and honored old age made up a fascinating story peggy noticing the effect upon her listener was more than satisfied well he got there didn't he jerry kicked a pebble out of his way and frowned reflectively i guess the folks that thought him a good-for-nothing must have been surprised but there were a great many who believed in him peggy suggested i think he was very fortunate in his friends in fact that was one of the things that helped him he made friends wherever he went well that ain't like me jerry's tone indicated a grim satisfaction in the extent of his unpopularity which peggy recognized as a bad sign that's a pity she said gravely because nobody's big enough to get along all by himself everybody needs friends to help him jerry became meditative that he had rightly interpreted the meaning of peggy's story and applied it as she wished was apparent when he broke out impatiently why if i should try to draw pictures of birds folks would just laugh at me i couldn't make em look like anything no i suppose not audubon had to learn that's another mistake of yours jerry to think that you can get along without books and teachers you found out a lot by yourself but that's no reason why you shouldn't have the help of all the things other people have been discovering it's just as i said about friends everybody can help and everybody needs to be helped i'm too old to go to school jerry replied despondently and the answer coupled with his dejected manner was to peggy an indication of a success she had hardly dared to hope for jerry realized his lacks the armor of his complacency had been pierced then there was hope for him how old are you jerry sixteen in september he hung his head as if ashamed of his advanced years and at peggy's laugh his face flushed hotly the reason that sounds so funny peggy explained is because i was thinking of a friend of my father's he's a college professor and sometimes he comes to visit us in his vacation he was twenty when he first learned to read and write how's that for a late start and see where he's got to jerry leaned toward her confidentially it's this way he said i wouldn't mind going to school if it wasn't for ringing in with a lot of kids i couldn't stand that you know he looked at peggy expectant of her ready sympathy but to his surprise her lip had curled slightly oh of course she said if you're afraid afraid jerry flung back his head me i'm not afraid of nothing did i ever show you the rattle i got off that big snake i killed 
that doesn't look much as if i was easy scared i didn't know returned peggy quite unmoved but that you might be afraid of being made fun of jerry had nothing to say peggy proceeded to occupy the interval of silence a boy graduated at one of our high schools a year ago who had plenty of pluck i thought he came from russia a jew you know and when he got here he couldn't speak a word of english he was fourteen then and they started him in the first grade that was the only thing to do i suppose well it really was a funny sight to see him going into school with those first grade tots he was a big boy for his age and he had to curl himself up to sit at one of those tiny desks so he must have been awfully uncomfortable and of course it looked queer if he'd been a cowardly sort of boy observed peggy significantly i suppose he would have given up jerry made no comment unless an uneasy movement might have been interpreted as such but he didn't give up and after a few months he was promoted to the second grade and it took him even less time to get into the third and then it got so that we'd ask every morning what grade david had been promoted to instead of laughing at him everybody was proud of him still no comment on jerry's part well as i said he graduated from the high school a year ago last spring he stood second in his class the boy who was ahead of him is the son of a circuit judge david was nineteen in five years he had gone from the very beginning to the end of the high school course now he's in college and i don't know what he'll do after he graduates but i'm sure it will be something fine don't you think that's better than being afraid of being laughed at and settling down to be an ignorant laborer all his life oh i guess it's all right if he felt like it jerry spoke with an elaborate carelessness well i must be going there was a trace of resentment in his tone more than a trace in his heart jerry's high opinion of peggy had originally sprung from her appreciation of his good qualities it was a rather painful surprise to find that she recognized his lacks in fact jerry was inclined to think that she exaggerated them i ain't no coward just because i don't want to be cooped up in school with a lot of kids he told himself angrily as he walked away yet his morning's talk with peggy had clouded his spirits long before jerry had come to accept with cheerful philosophy the disapproval of his neighbors they understood crops and dairying he understood birds and trees and in his own opinion he was at no disadvantage in the comparison but rather the opposite he regarded their knowledge as humdrum and it did not disturb him that they looked on his acquisitions as worthless but with peggy it was different the naturalist who had impoverished himself in his eagerness to study birds she had held up to his admiration as a great man jerry was sure that his neighbors would not so estimate him they would call him shiftless the adjective that had been applied times without number to jerry himself peggy approved such research and yet she found fault with him she thought he needed the help of the schools of books of friends undoubtedly she had implied that he was a coward jerry winced at the recollection i don't have to go to school just to please her jerry boasted but his declaration of independence failed to assuage that curious uneasiness that was almost pain he had disappointed a friend his effort to forget that fact in manufacturing resentment against peggy proved quite unsuccessful as for peggy she watched the vanishing figure rather ruefully and was inclined to think her morning's effort wasted if not worse like most amateur gardeners peggy was fond of immediate results she liked to see shoots starting when the seed had hardly touched the soil leaf and blossom following with miraculous swiftness nature's slow processes were trying to the patience peggy watched jerry out of sight and then her face unusually thoughtful made her way to the front porch which presented an unusually populous appearance that morning the day was rather warm and a forenoon of idleness had appealed to the household as preferable to a more strenuous form of entertainment 
aren't they any better asked elaine noticing the gravity of her friend's face but misinterpreting it who oh the chickens peggy roused herself i can't say i see any improvement and if there's anything that looks more sickly than a sick chicken i don't know its name well anyway freckles is perfectly healthy ruth said encouragingly and it's all the more to your credit because you brought him up yourself some time before the speckled chicken had asserted his individuality to such an extent that a name had seemed a necessity and after considerable canvassing of the matter freckles had received a majority vote freckles had long ceased to impress the observer as a pathetic object he was an energetic pin-feathery creature noted equally for his appetite and his pugnacity dorothy who had not hesitated to bestride farmer cole's boar and was absolutely fearless as far as hobo was concerned retreated panic-stricken before freckles advances for owing to reasons not apparent freckles found an irresistible temptation in dorothy's slim black-stockinged legs peggy shooed away the persistent freckles who had given up his designs upon the gravel walk at her approach and was pecking frantically at her shoe-buttons evidently under the impression that they were good to eat oh he's healthy enough she replied it begins to look as if he'd be all i'd have to show for my poultry-raising experiment and i had it all planned out how i'd spend the money for the whole eighteen chickens peggy joined in the laugh against herself before she added cheerily well even if air-castles tumble down it's fun to build them and build them over again suggested aunt abigail with a smile like castles little children build out of blocks it was fortunate that peggy was able to take so philosophic a view of the situation for before night two of the little sufferers had succumbed to their malady and the yellow fowl who could not wholly disclaim responsibility for the misfortunes of her family was left a hen with one chicken End of chapter seventeen